It's the end of the bye week, and we're going to look at the week in college football and get ourselves prepared for NC State. All of this and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. On today's show, we're going to recap an extraordinary weekend in college football, one that did not include Boston College because they were on a bye week, and we'll look at the ACC and around the country. In addition, we're going to look at the news because BC Hockey dropped their puck this weekend with two games and ended up with a win and a tie. But before we get into the games themselves... Let me thank you. If this is your first listen, I want to thank you for making Locked On Boston College the first thing that you do when you listen to something in your car or on a walk every morning. I just want to thank you because it means a lot that I put this work in and that you all listen. So thank you all. Well, let's look at the hockey games. So this weekend, the Icebreaker Challenge dropped the puck on the 2021-2022 season for Boston College hockey. On Friday, they played Quinnipiac, and on Saturday, they faced off with home team Holy Cross. Quinnipiac obviously was the bigger opponent of the two because Quinnipiac is always a very good team in college hockey. And it was a back and forth battle for BC. BC jumped out to a 2-0 lead against the Bobcats uh, on goals by Colby Ambrosio and Patrick Giles. So BC gets those two goals. Then Quinnipiac, they tied the game up early in the third period on on a goal and it goes into overtime. Now, remember, college hockey has different rules, and it's wonky with the way that it works in college sports, but it's not the same as like the NHL, where it just ends in a tie and everyone gets a point, and they move on from that. The way it works in college hockey is they have an overtime, where the, the, the two points or the winning the win can still be won there. Uh, it doesn't happen in this game. Both teams, they you know it's a draw. Then they go into penalty shots, which is basically, it's just about pride for these two teams. Like, you know, who who can win? It doesn't make any difference in terms of win-loss because the game is already a tie. Well, BC wins technically in the shootout. Casey Corot hits the game-winning penalty shot, but they get a tie. And so... Unfortunately for Boston College, they don't get the win. And, uh, you know, they were 0-3 lifetime against Quinnipiac, so they don't get their first uh, program win against the Bobcats, which kind of stinks. But, you know, you, when you play a tough team like Quinnipiac to start off a season, to, to at least escape a tie, especially with Boston College, who has, you know, they lost a ton of talent from last year. They've got a whole bunch of new names. They're trying to figure things out. I think this was as good of an ending as you could get. Obviously, you want to win, but you can't complain about that either. So they win, they win, you know, air quotes, the first game, but it's a tie. Then they face off against Holy Cross. Holy Cross Holy Cross got trounced by Northeastern the, the day before. They get to play BC the next day, and BC smokes them. They went 5-1 to one in a game where they were just all over the Crusaders from start to finish. It got, just like the first game, BC scored, I think, within the first minute in both of these games. Brandon Cruz, a transfer from Bowling Green, he takes a Marshall Warren pass and, and buries it to go up one nothing. Mark McLaughlin had a pair of goals as well. You know, he's the senior um, leader on this team. Cruz is one of many transfers. So you're going to see a lot of new names, including Eric Dopp, their new goalie, who I thought had a really good couple games. He scored, he saved 31 of 33 shots against Quinnipiac in some really tough uh, segments there. Um, and he had a good game again against um, Holy Cross. Uh, sorry, Wilder played against Holy Cross. He had uh, adopted a nice job against 
Quinnipiac Wilder, who's been on VC for a while, uh, played against Holy Cross. And then Mar- Matt Argentina in his first um, collegiate game scored a goal to give BC the 5-1 lead. And that's all it took. So BC gets their first win of the season and they end up the winner, I believe, if you want to call it that, of the Icebreaker Challenge. So that's great. And then it goes right into Hockey East play. So huge game coming up already on Friday when they host Northeastern, uh, who obviously is one of the better teams in the conference, and they've they've built a great program over there. So BC's 1-0-1, and we'll see how they do when they play a good team like Northeastern next week. But it's a good start of the season for the Eagles. Now, in a moment, we're going to talk to Mitch Wolf about college football, and we're going to look at the games in the ACC from the past weekend. But before we do that, let me tell you a little bit about Prize Picks. It's the leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you may have never heard of. They give you props from anything you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions. All you do is you pick two to five players, the over-under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize picks is really interesting too because they allow you to do mixed sports entries. You could do uh, one with like LeBron James and then with uh, Sidney uh, Crosby for hockey. You could do you can you can be you, your imagination is the limit. Using their award-winning app, you can sign up now. And when you make your first deposit, use promo code Locked On, and if up for up to hundred dollars, they will match your first initial deposit. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. It's Monday morning, and we are without BC football from the last week. So to kind of wrap up the weekend, it was a great weekend of football. I brought on Mitch Wolf, who joins us every Monday on Locked On. Mitch, how's it going? It's great. You know, I, I tweeted earlier this weekend that I think that this has been arguably the best football we, weekend of football in possibly the past year or two. You know, we saw a bunch of great games in college, and a bunch of great games in the NFL so far. So Really just a fun weekend for football fans. So to kick this off, let's look at the ACC, uh, which continues to cannibalize itself. Um, <laughs> and there were, um, as, you, as we were just talking before the start of the show, that the biggest discrepancy in score was 10 points with Florida State UNC. There was a ton of great games. Mitch, which game stuck out to you? Man, I mean, I think like every game was pretty significant. I think it's it's so funny that Mac Brown has never beaten Florida State. And, you know, Florida State has obviously been a, a seller dweller the last few years, and he just still can't figure them out regardless of how bad they are. I think Wake Forest Syracuse is really interesting. And obviously Wake, you know, is able to pull away and get that win in overtime. But man, that is, I mean, Wake, Wake is still undefeated. And, you know, we've talked a lot about them, but, you know, they've kind of been uh, faltering the last few weeks. Like they barely beat Louisville. They barely beat Syracuse. And they still have to get me their schedule. I think they have a bye coming up and then they face Army and then they get, you know, UNC, NC State, Clemson and BC. So, you know, they're, they're not looking super great going into their really tough part of their schedule. So Wake Forest is definitely a team to keep an eye on. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of Wake Forest fans are already starting to talk about playoffs and uh, got, got <laughs> a lot what, ahead in, of you still. So in, uh, in, in what sport? <laughs> they talking baseball or something else that I'm unaware of. Cause Mitch, we got to be careful because I don't want you getting, uh, getting uh, chewed out again for r- ripping on a school in the ACC. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, the first game that I kind of noticed uh, watching this weekend was Florida State over UNC because if you've listened to Locked On ACC, um, I going into the season thought that UNC would be a, a, a contender. I thought they could honestly knock off Clemson, and they've been anything but that. Um, 
you know, the one thing about UNC that I, I definitely didn't grade as high in terms of my expectations was how much they lost last year. Mm-hmm. Like they lost a ton of talent on the offense and it's clearly showing because they can't get the ball moving. Um, and then Florida state, Hey, that's, was it two wins in a row now for them? They have two, yeah. AC, two ACC wins. I mean, it looked ugly to start the season, but you know, for a program like that to be able to pull together two good conference wins, one against the UNC, that's, that's something for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of was concerned about UNC given their uh, exodus of offensive production to the NFL. So that was concerning to me, but I'm, I still, I'm a little surprised about how far they've fallen so far, but I mean, I think, like you said, like if UNC had, you know, met the expectations we had for them preseason. Yeah. They would definitely be able to contend with the Clemson team. We've seen this thus far. I don't love Mac Brown's post-game comments where he something said something to the effect of, Oh yeah. Like the media set too high expectations for us. So that's their fault. I'm like, okay, well maybe you should just coach your team better and, you know, find a way to beat Florida state for once. So you know, don't blame <laughs> the media for your own shortcomings. So you're looking at the both conferences. Now you see it's anyone's game, right? Any team, you could make an argument if you wanted to that any team in the ACC could win the Atlantic and any team in the coastal could win the coastal conference and any team could win everything. I mean, it, mm-hmm. at this point it could be anyone. We already talked a little bit about Wake Forest. We, you know, we're a little skeptical about, about what they could do. And there's a possibility that when they hit the meat of their schedule, that they could struggle again. Mitch, who do you think wins both, both divisions? I mean, I think right now we see that I think Pitt and Virginia Tech are in the driver's seat for the Coastal. You know, Virginia Tech has two losses, but neither of them are conference losses. So, you know, they're undefeated in the conference so far. And, you know, aside from Pitt, you know, the Coastal is, like you said, cannibalizing themselves. Like Virginia's been explosive, but they haven't really been as consistent. You know, North Carolina has, like we mentioned, you know, had their issues. Miami's had their issues. Georgia Tech and Duke played this past weekend, and neither of those teams are very good, to be frank. So, you know, Virginia Tech's got a good shot and they have the same token as Pitt. Like they've got Clemson coming up soon and I feel like they're going to win that game outright. And I feel like Pitt could run the table, win the Coastal. On the Atlantic side, like, you know, Wake Forest, like we said, undefeated, still got some tough games ahead of them. Then you've got NC State, who's one losses to an SEC game or SEC team. And that game was kind of fluke. I watched them today and I was like, eh, they, they, they could have won this game. I think if they played again, they might be at Mississippi State. And then, of course, you got BC and, you know, if BC beats NC State, They've got a pretty easy road going down the stretch. And then, you know, if they beat Wake, they, they could be facing Wake Forest for the ACC Atlantic title at the end of November. And, um, I, you know, I, I when I'm looking at the Atlantic, Clemson is a team to keep an eye on because I, I do. You st- I, I, I feel when I watch them play, I know there's a sloppy mess right now. We saw them be a sloppy mess against BC, specifically on offense. Their defense, I thought, worked really good. Do you do you feel like that their season's done in terms of competing for the Atlantic, or do you think they'll actually be able to turn that offense around and get something going? I guess there is a chance they could compete for the Atlantic. I don't see them competing for the for anything beyond that, and I wonder if that might affect them because you know Clemson is, has this tradition of you know like you know owning this conference and then getting the playoff, but like they don't really have much to play for now. So you know they fell out of the rankings for the first time since you know in almost living memory, but. You know, they've got Syracuse this week. That's probably a win. They've got Pitt the next week. That's that that's probably gonna be tough. And they're FSU, Louisville, Yukon, which I think we'll get into maybe in the next segment at some point. But yeah, I mean, it's it's possible, but I mean I, I can see at least maybe two losses coming in conference throughout the rest of the season. So yeah, I, I don't really think that they're gonna be in contention for the Atlantic, to be honest. 
and I, I have this sneaking suspicion, just the way that Dabo acts, that uh, Tony Elliott's probably going to be looking for a new job at the end of this year. No um, question. 100%. He's going to blame it on somebody. And that's, I mean, it's not just Dabo. I think college football, when you're at that level, coaches are going to look for heads and he's the easiest culprit at this point. Um, so my last question is a little off base and um, it'll get kind of cue into our third, our third segment today. Um, I watched the red river rivalry game, which was absolutely bananas, but the one takeaway I got from that is that Spencer Rattler will not be with Oklahoma next year. Could you think of an ACC team that could use Spencer Rattler next year? <laughs> I mean, he's so he's originally from Arizona. So I, I have to imagine that he might head back towards the West coast. You know, yep. uh, Arizona is one of the worst teams, in the FBS at this point. So that might not be in it for him. Arizona state should still have Jaden Daniels there. So that might not be an option either. UCLA is going to be losing Dorian Thompson Robinson this offseason, so UCLA could be an option. Uh, it's I don't know, like um, man, I'm just I mean maybe Pitt because they'll finally lose Kenny Pickett, but I just that doesn't seem like a really good fit. FSU, it's a big program, you know they they'll be losing Mackenzie Milton, but I think they like Jordan Travis, so probably not. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think the AC is going to be a fit for Spencer Rattler moving I, forward. I, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. He's going to be hitting the transfer portal. By the end of the season, at the very latest, it could come this week if I wouldn't be shocked, honestly. Yeah, the one team that strikes me as a team that could figure things out, especially with NIL now on, is the U. And I don't know. I don't know. Oh, what that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what their depth chart looks like, but they look like the perfect program for him. Where he, they've you know, got he, a lot of they, they have a lot of um, freshmen, and they they're the way they list their roster is weird, just because of the COVID year. So like they list like guys who played in eight games last year as freshmen. So it's like, okay, they're sophomores, but whatever. So I think they've got. Uh, it's Tyler Van Diner Van Dyke. He has played a good bit. They've got Jeff Garcia's son. It's another backup. So they've got a bunch of young quarterbacks. So, I mean, R- Rattler could go there for sure. You know, another kind of big 12 or, you know, middle of the country transplant, you know, following Derek King's footsteps. But man, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I didn't, I wasn't the biggest Spencer Rattler fan in terms of as, as like a draft prospect or being, you know, QB one in this upcoming draft class, but man, he's, he is fallen far beyond any of the you know worst nightmares that you can imagine for him this season all right thanks uh mitch we'll be back in just a moment we're going to talk uh, we're going to go around the country and talk about some of the big games that happen in college football before we do that i am always hungry at around 2 30 in the afternoon and when i am i always reach for a built bar built bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar it's 100 covered in chocolate and it is delicious it's not gritty or chalky like some of those other protein bars and the flavors can't beat them right now they have a limited edition cookie dough chunk which is my absolute favorite you got to catch that before they run out because they run out quickly and if if those if that's not available there's some other options that are also incredible including coconut coconut almond cherry raspberry mint brownie peanut butter brownie double chocolate and salted caramel this is something for everyone and if you don't know which one you want to try get the mix box you get two of each of the nine flavors when you head on over to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. I am with Mitch Wolf, And we're talking about the past weekend in college football. It was a quiet weekend on Chestnut Hill. Uh, the coaching staff was all over the country recruiting. I know Jeff Halfley was at Zavarian Brothers for their football game in Massachusetts. But I know some of the other staff members had been hitting up um, recruits. And you can check out some of the stories. I've been talking to a lot of the recruits that they've mentioned on bcbulletin.com. Now, let's look at the, the games of the weekend. There, 
obviously the biggest there was i mean i can't even tell you what the biggest one is is it alabama losing is the red river rivalry uh walk off mitch talk about this weekend's slate of football games okay um so anyways uh i pretty much spent the whole weekend on the couch just watching all the games uh i would probably say in terms of leverage for the college football playoff i think that the iowa penn state game was the most significant with with that being said you know iowa does win that game in a pretty close one they came back i i think that if penn state's quarterback sean clifford doesn't get hurt i feel pretty confident penn state wins that game because they were able to move the ball decently well against a really good iowa defense but once sean clifford goes out that offense could not get anything going Iowa kept, you know, their defense kept pinning Penn State back inside their own 10 and, you know, winning the field position battle. And, you know, there's there's the strategy, you know, you don't get win games with field goals, but if any team's going to do it, it's Iowa. And they found a way to win a game basically with field goals, just keeping winning, keep winning that field position battle and, you know, just slowly working back, working their way back to get the lead. But I mean, I mean, Penn's, the Big Ten East is extremely interesting because, you know, at the end of October, you've got Ohio State and Penn State playing each other and Michigan State and Michigan playing each other on the same night. So you've got two one-loss teams and two undefeated teams playing at this point against each other. And, you know, obviously a lot of the, all those teams will play each other at some point in the season, but the Big Ten East is definitely, of all the divisions in college football, that's probably the one to watch because, you know, Michigan State looks like a really tough team. They're really fun to watch. I'm not sure if they can beat some of these elite teams. Michigan is, there's still just questions. You know, they've been able to beat up on some bad teams. They, you know, had some trouble with Nebraska, Ohio state is kind of working their way back since a bad loss to Oregon and Penn state, you know, again, they lost their quarterback. And I, I think the AP poll and the you know coaches poll are going to be pretty kind to them. And that they're like, okay, like, you know, Penn state, they still kept it close even without their starter. And I think that Penn state, you know, could find a way to work themselves back into contention for the playoff. And, you know, the sec just means more, but there were some fun games. Mm-hmm. I want, I've been one of the teams I've been fascinated with this year has been Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, their defense just suffocates whoever they play. Mm-hmm. And Bo Nix did not have a chance on Saturday as Georgia just clobbered the, the, um, the Tigers 34, 10 that sets up for another game day. I mean, God game day has been in Athens. They, I think this is their third uh, game that they've done. Not all mm-hmm. in Athens. They did their opener against Clemson too. Mm-hmm. Um, but is Georgia the best team in the country? Um, unquestionably. And it's crazy because, you know, they're getting it done with Stetson Bennett, who is, you know, kind of George's version of Jenis Grossell, basically, but, you know, he's able to make, it's funny, he'll, like, I tweeted this, like, he'll do some, like, dumb plays where he'll, like, forget that he's, you know, this 5'11", 190-pound walk-on, and then there are other plays where he'll forget he's a walk-on and throw, like, a beautiful bomb touchdown, but, I mean, George's defense, at this point, we have to be considering them as one of the all-time greatest defenses in college football history, you know, uh, Jordan Davis, their nose tackle, number 99, he's 6'6", 340, and, when I was scouting him in the summer, like I was like, okay, this guy needs to like develop some pass rush moves. He really wants to be like a consensus first round pick. And he's done that. Like he is a force in the pass rush, but every level of Georgia's defense is completely suffocating every SC opponent they face. And I- I'm a card carrying Bo Nix hater. So like, I wasn't surprised to see what went that game go the way it did, but I- I've been a big fan of Kentucky this year. So I'm-, I'm not sure Kentucky gives them, you know, a real run for their money, but I think I'd expect Georgia and Alabama to meet in the SEC championship at the end of this year. To be and that's, that's going to be a fun game if those two teams oh, yeah. face off. Yeah. Uh, now let's head over to the, uh, the nouveau riche uh, SEC. And that was the red river rivalry between um, Oklahoma and Texas. Now I have to admit, I was flipping back and forth because when I started watching it, 
it was like, like Texas was killing him. Mm-hmm. And then I was like flipping away and I was watching um, Arkansas and Ole Miss, which mm-hmm. we can get to in a second too, because that game was nuts. Yeah. Um, and the end of that game, where they're running the running back from Oklahoma, and I to- don't have his name in front of me. Kennedy Brooks. Kennedy Brooks. Like how he got out of that pile to run for a touchdown was incredible. It was just an incredible game, and and all of the subplots that were there too. You know, Bijan Robinson is probably the best running back in the country right now on mm-hmm. Texas, and mm-hmm. Spencer Rattler, if we just talked about being benched for Caleb Williams, who's the new wonderkin and looked good. <laughs> um, what were your takeaways from that game? So there's a few. I think one is that. I, I think Texas, even a loss, I think Texas is back. And, you know, obviously there's, you know, the, there's the Sam Ellinger quote. There's the, there's the Notre Dame win they had, you know, many years ago now, but I mean, this, like you said, like they were dominating early and, you know, Oklahoma makes that switch at quarterback and they're able to come back. But I mean, Texas is a really explosive offensive team. I think that they're going to, you know, have, they, I mean, I bet Texas to win that game money line. And so I was heartbroken to see the game play out the way it did. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I really like Texas. I, I think Bijan Robinson might be the front runner for the Heisman Trophy at this point if he keeps up his play the way he did against Oklahoma. And his that run where he kind of ran to the right and then just kind of bounced out of a, a pile of players and somehow took it for like a 50-yard almost touchdown. You know, he's incredible. In terms of Oklahoma, I mean, again, they're still in the driver's seat for the Big 12 championship. You know, they're going to be a top four team, I think, as long as they run the table, which seems very likely now that they bench Spencer Rattler, to be honest. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, really, really fun game. Lot, lots of good stuff going on there, but yeah, I think Tex, I think Texas is kind of, they finally figured out, like, I think they have their coach, they have their quarterback. They've got pretty much everything in place. They need to be an elite program moving forward. And continuing at the sec, cause they just had some great games this weekend. I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching Arkansas and old miss. That was the game mm-hmm. I flipped off of Oklahoma and Texas. Once it started, it looked like it was going to be getting out of control. And let me first say that Sam Pittman, the head coach of Arkansas is the perfect match for that program. He is like, <laughs> he gets that program. He's great. I think, you know, he's got the history and everything like that, but you know, back and forth, this game was just like nuts with scoring and it was just going back and forth. And Arkansas scores, you know, their quarterback looks like he's like six, five, like two fifty. Um, yeah, he's a big boy and doesn't seem to throw the ball all that well, but whatever. Um, but he throws a touchdown pass with no time left on the clock and Pittman showed, you know, he sacked up there and went for two and the play call was awful, but that's, <laughs> I don't know. That, that's the thing. It's like the, dis- I, I totally agree with the decision to go for it. Your defense is not playing well. Ole Miss is going to score if you go to overtime and it's a question of you score. So like, listen, this is the time to win it. You go for it. I like the decision to go for it. The play call was bad, but also part of it was the execution because if you watch the play, they had a shovel pass underneath that the quarterback just never looked at. And based on how the offensive line got push, I think if he had just tossed the shovel pass, they might've gotten the two point conversion. So, you know, I, I think, you know, Sam Pittman is only seven and nine at Arkansas so far. So, you know, that's a bit of a, it's not a great record, but I think, again, another coach that has a program moving in the right direction. And I, I totally agree with his decision to go for the, the, the two-point conversion to try to win the game at that point. And thank you to Lane Kiffin for giving us about a million memes from that game. So <laughs> that Lane Kiffin, the meme king, for sure. Yeah, he, he definitely had that going. And then our final game we're going to talk about it was the nightcap. And I thoroughly admit um, that I did not watch the whole thing because I fell asleep. Uh, <laughs> was Texas A&M and Albion? But I have to say that when I was watching it, I was like, Texas A&M is is handling them, and their defense looked really good. Um, they're they're I, I know their defense is Elko, 
defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know he was one of name. He was a name when Halfley was um, hired, was linked to BC um, as, as a potential um, head coach. But I love the way that they attacked Alabama's offense, uh, the way that they went after Bryce Young. I thought the offense looked good. That kid, man, that quarterback uh, came out of exactly. complete. Calzada, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts of that game? I think that, you know, Alabama is due for one of these losses every few years where everything just kind of goes right for the opponent. And, you know, I, I don't think, I think Calzada had like some insane stat line where like he, the ball, like he barely had any, he barely had any incompletions. So like he was just remarkably efficient after having some pretty tough weeks. So I think this was more of an outlier for him. But I think the thing about Alabama is that like, obviously they're incredibly talented. I think the issue though, is that they don't, they don't have a ton of experience. Like obviously Bryce young is a pretty young player. It's his first year as a starter. They, and they have like the, the experienced players they have are not super explosive. So like Brian Robinson, their running back, like he's not the incredible talent that Najee Harris is, or some of their other, other past running backs. They don't have that game breaker at, uh, in terms of their offensive arsenal yet. Jamison Williams had some really good plays, but again, he's so young that it's just like, everything isn't coming together yet. And on defense, it's the same thing. Like they've got Will Anderson who's one of the best edge rushers in the league, but besides him, like they don't have that game wrecker on the defensive line, which Alabama traditionally has. And then it's kind of the same in the secondary. Like they've got some experienced players, but none of them are like elite prospects. So, you know, it's kind of just the perfect storm for how you beat Alabama and that, you know, Texas has a kickoff return for touchdown. They get some turnovers. They have some drops from Alabama that force them to punt. So I still think Alabama's got a good shot at winning the SEC West, and I think they'll face Georgia in the SEC Championship. But I think that game's going to be really interesting because, you know, Georgia traditionally has problems with Alabama just because, again, uh, Saban has such a good history beating his assistants. But like we said earlier, like this Georgia team is really, really special. And if they get JT Daniels back and he's healthy and, you know, takes that offense to another level where they are, you know, humming along, Georgia's yep. going to be almost unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, because – Obviously, JT Daniels is a huge step up from Stenson Bennett. And I believe George Pickens, who is, you know, their top wide receiver, who's Mm -hmm. missed almost the whole start of the season. I think I just read that he's starting to travel with the team. So he could be back in a couple of weeks. Again, adding another dimension to a team that's already really dangerous. Mm -hmm. So, Mitch, excited for NC State this week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like like I said, like this could be one of the games that decides who wins the AC Atlantic. Like this is an extremely important game. I'm going to be at the game, actually. I'll be making my return to Chestnut Hill this weekend. So I'll be tailgating and watching the game in person, which will be really exciting. And I'll be up in the press box. So uh, <laughs> I'll wave to you. <laughs> Have a beer for me. So oh, Mitch, where, can people, where, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. Uh, as always, you know, tweeting out BC stuff, tweeting out just general college football stuff, NFL draft stuff, Steelers stuff, if you're into that. But yeah, I'm almost at 400 followers. So if some of you could, you know, get me over that hump, I'd really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Mitch. You can follow me. This is AJ Black on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC, or the site is locked on. I mean, the podcast is locked on BC. I'm the editor and publisher of bcbulletin.com. Check out our work there. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again for another show tomorrow. Take care, everyone.